welcome to the How Are You Really Feeling podcast. How Are You Really Feeling began as an IG Live show in the summer of 2020. For two years, we've been celebrating Black mental health, all genders, pronouns, presentations, and sexual orientations through honest, candid, emotionally free conversations, and encouraging culturally sensitive therapy. I am your host, Precious. Thank you to the moon and back for tuning in. How Are You Really Feeling has teamed up with Act Like You Know Volume 1, an annual hardcore punk festival happening in Tulsa this November. Over the past month, we've been working on a series of episodes that will feature all the Black performers on the 2022 lineup. The interviews will explore the relationship between Black hardcore musicians and mental health. How Are You Really Feeling is also participating in a three-way coverage collaboration and co-sponsoring the fest with For The Punks, which is an online publication and resource for fans and creators to connect, learn, and grow together. Stay up to date with For The Punks on social media before, during, and after the festival for featured posts, interviews, and more. All Act Like You Know proceeds will be donated to Oklahomans for Equality, which is Oklahoma's resource for LGBTQ plus persons and their families. OFE seeks equal rights for LGBTQ plus individuals and families through intersectional advocacy, education, programs, alliances, and the operation of the Dennis R. Neal Equality Center. It's an honor to start off the series with Move Boston Hardcore's vocalist and lead, Corey. We talked about how he protects his aura, how he remains honest and hardcore, and what fuels his energy. The Boston Hassle reviewed Move BHC's 2021 EP, Freedom Dreams, last December, and staff member Sarah Dorme writes, and I quote, Move BHC is a hardcore band that has been promoting more than just their music. The band title comes from a 1985 bombing from the state of police in Philadelphia who landed this attack on a black community. This band uses the hardcore genre to amplify their activism. Corey expressed at his first venue that he is a strong advocate for the LGBTQ plus community, indigenous people, Muslims, and organizations like the Black Lives Matter movement. If his music hasn't expressed enough about his fight for equality, he encouraged his listeners and supporters during his performance that it takes a collective body of working people like us to make it happen. End quote. Thank you, Act Like You Know Fest. I am thrilled to introduce the very first installment of Black Love Letters to Hardcore. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. As your host, I am not a medical or mental health professional. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. If you are in a crisis, please contact your doctor or call 911 immediately. Help is available 24-7. Corey, I literally feel like I am psychic. I can see the future because (laughs) I envisioned like me interviewing you at some point, some type of context. And so it's finally happening. I can't put into words how excited I am today. So thank you so much for being here. 
No problem. Thank you for having me and having such a welcoming energy to really start off this interview. So I'm already like really jazzed to be here. So yes. Of course. I feel like if I had a list of all the people I want to interview, it would be Solange, Zendaya, and then Corey. No, let's not. Come on now. I, I saw your post about Anaya. You're like, I'm so excited to interview Anaya Zulu. So, you know, I you don't need to put me that high on the list, but I'm glad I even made it on the list. That's all that matters. Actually, the fact that we get to share community and hold space right now, that's the most important thing to me. So it doesn't matter if I'm on a list or not. We're here sharing space, and that's, like, the best part. So, Of course. And we mentioned before we started recording, but we are two gorgeous sunflowers today. We matched unexpectedly. So yes. Shout out to Masuka for the I do divine protection shirt oh no my blur is ruining it we oh no okay oh, it's back it's back divine protection shout out to masuka buy all of their merch all the time all their shirts they also do a record art so they're the bomb diggity they're a haitian artist from boston non-binary haitian black artist from boston and they always put out the illest work so i'm glad that this this shirt is matching the hair we didn't even think about it. It just happened that way. It's a beautiful thing. Your flowers are looking beautiful, by the way. I love it. I love it. Very reminiscent of like that Solange, uh, kind of like a seat at the table cover type of deal when they were kind of doing the uh, the Europe Eurocentric portrait or like the old English portrait. So I like it. Corey, oh my God, if I get started on Solange, I don't know when I'm going to end. I'm in the middle of my Solange awakening right now, and it's just a whole thing, and I'm in a whole other universe, and I'm completely in love. So we can talk about Solange. I, I, have, I got to see Solange live right after she put out a seat at the table, so it was like, it was a whole experience for me. It was It completely changed yeah. your life. It really, honestly, I, I don't, like, the thing about hardcore is it kind of ruins like the concert experience for you after you're used to being in such like a high energy show in which the barrier between artists and crowd is non-existent and so I don't go to too many concerts often so but like when Solange put out a seat at the table that was a very big piece of art for me and something that I still hold dearly to this day because it's just like an absolutely beautiful album. Um, and so it was kind of before too, like, yeah, she, Solange is big, but I feel like now when she performs, it's like big, big. So she played at the uh, the spot called the Orpheum in Boston, which is a pretty s- smaller theater. And so I, did, I paid 80 tickets and I deadass was like two rows from the front. Like I was like in the front and there wasn't like, and because this is like an older timey theater, it's not like there's like a barricade, like the seats in the stage are like the stage and then there's seats. So, and it was just like crazy to be in that energy. And she was just so incredible live and the type of like, the type of energy that she just brought to the entire performance just made everyone feel as if like, 
they belonged in that one little moment. So it was really cool. It was awesome. So yeah, I love Solange. She's definitely like up there when I think of like neo soul R&B people that I vibe with the most. Like Solange is definitely like top three, easy. Possibly number one, honestly. I still, like the seat at the table, I still listen to it all the way through every time I put it on. I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm going to listen to this whole record because it's that good. The interludes, FUBU, MAD, Crane in the sky, don't touch my hair, like all of them, fire, fire. So yeah, this is a good way to start off this interview. I like it. Talk about Solange. I am so jealous. Oh my God, what are you talking about? Literally everybody else has seen Solange except <laughs> me. I was just like, one day it will happen. It I will. Think, I think what's really changing my life about Solange is she is so huge in terms of feeling at home, the architecture of her discography, like she just wants to create cities and universes and worlds for just young black girls to, to visit and discover like 10, 20 years from now. And it's just so comforting. And I truly feel like I'm at home when I listen to her music. That's beautiful. It truly is. I think it's also really incredible too, to see how she was able to navigate and carve out that lane for herself when like her sister is Beyonce Knowles. So, and the fact that she has been able to do something that is like, I didn't even know Solange was Beyonce's sister. I would be completely honest. Cause I thought she was just like her own thing until people were like, oh no, like Solange is Beyonce's sister. I'm like, you lied to me, but it's like, oh no, like she's Beyonce's whole sister, but like you can honestly listen to them both separately and they both have like a wonderful discography of music and both impact you in such different ways. And it's just very cool to see how like, you know, you always hear about like, is she the older or younger sibling? I always forget. I don't She's know. She's the younger. She's the okay. younger sibling. So like, you know, caught in the shadow of like the older sibling, but I feel like she's like her own son. So there just is no shadow at all. And like, it's just, it's so cool. It's so, so cool. Are you an only sibling? No, uh, I have one older sister, so. Do you, do you feel like you resonate with being the youngest of similar similarities in terms of the way that you make art? Um, not really. Like, me and creating art has been completely separate from, like, my older siblings. I'm not really close with my older sibling at all. So um, that is, like, yeah, definitely not really connected to that. Definitely finding the music and figuring out the art that I'm creating has been just something of my own formation and just something that I've been able to really like. It's like weird to be like, oh, yeah, I kind of do art. Like, technically speaking, I guess, like, I'm a creative now or like, I do art. Like, I don't see myself as that because I think like I see this as like not, I wouldn't label, it's not political work, but I feel like this is just like, it's my own little like political journal in a sense. Like it's a snapshot of where my mind is at and be able to express that in a manner. And hopefully like some people will be able to like, I think some individuals also see and like hear that. And that's what drives them to also listen to the music and listen to what I'm saying. Um, it's, I mean, when I say some people, I mean, black people, like, and when they hear that music and see it. So 
um so yeah like my identity when it comes to like creativity is really all been just like formed on my own there wasn't really an influence of like an older sibling in there there's definitely been outside influences without a doubt like people that I look to and I'm like yo like this is sort of what I would like to do with my music and what I would like to see but it was not influenced by an older sibling so Oh, I completely, completely understand. And I love that. Yeah. It is, it is all you. It's very personal. Where is your mind right now? How, how are you really feeling in this moment? Are you doing okay? Yeah, I've honestly, I've been doing pretty well lately. Like it's nice out now. And especially being in Massachusetts, I was actually just talking to somebody about this last night, how like the winners in Massachusetts I sometimes forget how much different they are than winners in like it's well geographically within the containment of the nation state of like the USA, but like I forget how gnarly the Massachusetts winters are. And there's only like few spaces that really understand that. And that's like the rest of New England and then like Buffalo that kind of get it. And everyone else is like they have winners, they deal with snow, but it's just it's a whole different piece here. So being during the summertime, the thaw has ended. We're outside like every weekend, every day. So that has been really a big boost to me. Um, and just like, I don't know, life is cool right now. No major complaints, stable, happy, like still sort of like happy on the personal but then you look outside at the world and outside of like your nucleus and it's very like extremely frustrating and just like extremely like almost causes you to like freeze because you don't know what to do but also like needing to remember in which that is like what the ruling class wants you to do. So like try to take that, okay, I don't know what to do and put it into like, okay, here's what I can do um, in my proximity and trying to do that. So, and like definitely looking at the outside of like my own nucleus in life, it's just super, super like disheartening and really a big buzzkill, whatever you think about like the world and where we're at, where like niggas are dying in grocery stores, kids are still dying in schools like apartheid and genocide is still being waged globally like the imperialist machine of the usa is still trucking on and like destroying the world so it's like really shitty like financially our economy is kind of like going to shit right now like the fact that like gas is like five something almost in some like above five dollars in some places and like in massachusetts about like about like pretty much hitting five dollars now everywhere um it's kind of ass, honestly. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm really happy. You know, I I woke up, went for a run, went to the gym. Like, I had work. So, like, that was cool. But then you kind of, like, and, you know, I have housing, and I was able to eat and, like, do all these things on, the, like, the nucleus that I'm, like, really hyped to be able to do and, like, have that stability. But then, like, you just think about other people in the world and outside of this little bubble and you're just like bro like shit's sort of like ass right now for a lot of people so it's like a you know it's a duality of emotions where it's like yeah I'm cool in my home but then like as soon as you step outside you're like this is it's it's not that cool going on like 
and uh still trying to like find joy too and like not letting the world just like beat you down so like i had a good weekend this weekend which was tight so like that was something that i was pretty hyped on but even then like the conversations you have about the globe and it's just like damn like the shit is ass right now so but yeah how are you how are you feeling right now Oh my gosh, I'm doing well. I think I have this thing this springtime, summertime where I'm trying to be outside as much as possible to get as much sunlight as possible because I feel like it helps my subconscious. Like it's not something that happens immediate, but if I get a certain amount of sun during a week, I notice I'm a little lighter. I, I feel a little bit more in tune with my emotions and just kind of more in harmony yes i feel that i feel like that is like you know as humans we're meant to be in the sun we're meant to be in the rays especially black people bro we're meant for this nice warm weather in the sun like literally we're meant for it we were quite literally genetically like (laughs) we adapted in some ways for the sun and the warm weather (laughs) so it's like we're kind of meant to be enjoying this Yes, enjoying the sun, enjoying the weather. That is one of the things that I admire so much about you and about what you're doing with MOVE is that you are so politically informed. But is it difficult setting boundaries with the news and journalism and kind of protecting your space and your aura? It definitely is and it isn't. Um, I think Fortunately, even though, like, yes, MOVE is a political entity in its own and, like, what we do, but also it's not the entirety of my life. And there's, like, even though I am MOVE and MOVE is me, I don't feel as if, like, MOVE consumes my soul or, like, MOVE is the only thing I have or, like, you know, I make sure I try to have, like, a separation between things and I can allow things to be separated and or, like, be one and the same, which is cool. Like, and I think it also goes with how, like, I personally see me being political with move and where it's not like, I'm going to put out the good information and I want people to be like, hey, I saw this thing happen. And then, oh, you know, possibly move might have shared something, might have posted something. And then here's an action you can go take to like, go be a part of it. Because I'm not seeing as move as that action. All we are is just like, I'm just an angry ass nigga that has some shit to say, but I also want people to be energized to go do things. And like, that's what I mean as in move is not like a politic move is not like a political organism or it's not a political organization. Like we're a fucking hardcore band, but like, I want to put people to the organizations who actually have capacity to allow in all these new people that want to actually build power and figure things out. So that's really all I see move as. And I think because I have that scope, it doesn't feel as if it is like, I don't feel as if I need to do some wild thing with it or that like, it is always me all the time and I'm on all the time and why I'm like, yeah, I'll, we'll we'll always make political songs political statements and like have a politic forever and like a black radical politic at that but at the same time like i'm not gonna go argue with fucking random ass white people that comment shit on our shit and be like blah 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 like i don't have the time for that so like i'm i'm fortunate to like have the restraint to not like go and do that because that would probably become a little bit more like 
taxing and a little bit more like draining of energy and misplaced energy. So for me personally, I think that's kind of one of the ways in which I have that separation, which I don't feel as if it is like, I have to be, you know, move all the time. Like, because the way that it, I view it politically is not that this is a political organization. I think of it as all this is, is literally a band that happens, will try to put you on to different political organizations that actually are organized to have an influx of new people come in and be able to actually give the political education to get them to the place in which they can be active participants to get our freedom. So that like keeping that scope and not aligning really like some like quote unquote organizational creep or mission creep, um, I think like keeps me from really feeling like wiped out and feeling like exhausted and stuff. So yeah, it like still keeps it like fun and something that I want to do and still like a good release for me to have. So yeah. Corey, are you gonna write a book one day? Like, oh my god. No, no. I love the way that you put everything. It's so beautifully put. Do you feel safe to be honest and hardcore? Um, I think it's not that I feel safe, but I'm just like, I don't care. Like, I think it's at that point, like I there is an ever-growing community of especially black people involved in hardcore that are like yo this is what it is and like we're not gonna let white people try to tell us what the fuck it is we're not gonna let like older heads try to be like oh it's not really like this and it's like nah bro like we're literally experiencing this shit now and it is like this um and i think because i have that community and that community is ever growing in the scene I feel as if like, yeah, I can be my full authentic self, but also like, it's kind of a, a two-way street because it is through hardcore in which like kind of made me become somewhat of like, I wouldn't say a maverick, but learning that like, I need to use my voice. I need to use my actions and I need to be willing to like stand up for myself. And that was all very much things I learned from the hardcore community. So it's like this two-way street of, like hardcore is definitely not the most unified safe fucking space like not everyone is super allowed to be there as much as we all want to talk about like unity and that this is a space for everyone like we literally still have to create our own space but also like hardcore gave me some of those tools to be down to like speak my piece and not really care what other people like have to say about it because I know the people who are going to rock with it are going to rock with it. And like, we're going to find our community and we're going to be good and we're going to continue to build that. And then people who aren't going to rock with it, well then like, fuck them. Like, that's cool. You're not going to rock with it. You're not going to stop us at the same time. So like, that's sort of like the odd thing about it. So it's not that it's like a place in which I feel I could be like my honest and whole self, but also like taught me to say like, it doesn't matter what the space is. Like you should always be your own self, but not everyone get like feels that way. And that is also fine because everyone's trying to survive in the space in different means. So that's like something I always try to be cognizant of too, is that like, not every nigga is going to be on the same shit, you know, like not every nigga is going to be like, oh yeah, I want to talk about XYZ. I want to be about XYZ because also niggas are trying to like survive or some niggas are just like, bro, 
I just want to go stage dive and that's it. Like, I just want to stage dive and have fun. I'm like, yeah, bro, obviously I love stage diving and I love moshing, but also I'm like, I'm still a nigga. Like, I still want to see all my people free. Like, I still want to do something like that has a higher impact than just like, you know, self-fulfillment of joy and shit. So that's sort of, I guess, like where we're at with it, where it's like, mm, no, not really, but also it kind of gave me the tools to like, I, I'm willing to just like be honest, even if I don't feel as if it's like a space that really creates an environment of honesty and like accountability for things. I'm still like as ultra beginner into the hardcore space, but there's, I mean, it's like a, it's like a mosaic. Like there's so many different people and with so many different perspectives of hardcore, it's played a certain part in people's lives and everybody kind of interacts in the concert space and the show space differently. And of course, one of the things that I have noticed about not only you, but like different hate five, six, hate five, six videos you've been in, how everybody talks so highly about you in terms of your energy. <laughs> I swear, like, I'm like, I'm so excited to see you in November. I mean, I'm probably going to stay maybe like, you know, just kind of keep my distance because I don't want to get in your way. I'm so excited to see your velocity in person. What do you feel like fuels your energy? Where do you, where do you get that joy from? Well, firstly, shout out to Sunny Singh, always, Hate Five Six, putting on for everyone in the sea. doesn't matter what fucking band you are, like, Sunny Singh will put on for you. And I feel like we always have to put on for Sunny because he's literally, he is the hardest working person in all of hardcore, straight up. Like, there's, there's few people that I really think of as, like, somebody worth the title of, like, a hardcore fucking legend. That dude gets that title that dude gets like, he is, he is somebody who I have the utmost respect for always. And we'll always give a shout out to Sunny Singh whenever I possibly can. So shout out to Sunny Singh firstly. Um, I think really it was just, uh, it's a fucking riffs. I'm not gonna lie, it's not even something crazy. The riffs are fucking compelling. Like when I hear some bands, like I think of like listening to fucking prayer for atlanta for the first time by the band foundation and like just the fucking intro of it to the fucking two-step and just hearing that riff and being like yo i want to strap cinder blocks to my fist <laughs> and like two-step while i'm like throwing punches with cinder blocks on my like fucking fist and it's just something about like the music and the sounds that like hit me at such like a I don't know, animalistic level that just energizes me to like want to mosh hard and like want to do my thing and want to have fun. And then it's definitely like has expanded over the years too. Cause like, obviously when I'm seeing a homie's band, I'm a fucking pop off for my friend. Like if that's my nigga, I'm a going for my nigga. Like that's how I show love to my people is like, yo, if I'm moshing really hard to your band. Honestly, I may not even like your band that much, but I'm probably going to mosh dummy hard because I like you. And so, like, that has been a part of it. And then, like, moshing really hard for it. Whenever I see bands with Black people in them, too, especially if it's, like, the first time, I'm like, yeah, I got to check this out. Like, I need to watch this. And especially if it's, like, then it's good. And you're just, like, you have to you have to help out. You have to support the people. 
So, and I think it's just a really good release for me too, um, where like hardcore shows were the area where I could just get out some physical aggression. Like I played sports like all growing up and did that, but even then it's a little bit different. Like, you know, football, you got pads on and like it's organized and everything, but compared to like, I don't know, being in the basements of Anchors Up, RIP, where it is like a mosh to survive situation and you just got to kind of like battle it out and just pit your hardest and you're kind of scared, but you're also like, this is so euphoric and this is so much fun. And like, it's just an intoxicating feeling that I just, you can only get it at hardcore shows. Like that is the only place you can get it. And that's what I think just like keeps me wanting to mosh hard, like keeps me wanting to stay energized, keeps me wanting to like continue having fun at shows and like showing up and showing out and just like enjoying myself and it just became like a good way of expressing it and so I think all those things have kind of led me to like continue it now it's been like you know I've been doing this since I was like I'm 27 now like I've been doing this since I was like 15 or something I'm like still moshing hard like still doing it still here which is like crazy to think about um and I just think every time like every time I go to a show I still even if it's a band I haven't heard before it's like if those riffs if those beats if that sonic like waves just hit the right way I'm like bro I'm off like I I can't go to shows hurt because if I'm hurt and I'm at a show I'm still moshing so like I just don't go because I know I'm just gonna hurt myself more so and it's just I just can't really fucking stop it so that's really where it comes from it's just like the riffs, the riffs are so fucking compelling and I just can't stop it for anything. I've tried, try to go to shows and not mosh. And I <laughs> fail every time, fail every time. Never been to a show and didn't mosh. Like maybe once or twice at this point when I'm like really like down bad hurting. But outside of that, like, bro, I'm moshing. I am moshing every time. Or if there's a slippery floor, if the floor is slippery, that's how you get me. There's a slippery <laughs> floor, bro. I'm not fucking with these ankles and these knees like that. Some of y'all, some of y'all be bold as hell on them slippery floors. I'm just like, bro, like y'all niggas really risking a whole, if, I know some of y'all niggas don't have health insurance too. Y'all <laughs> niggas be out here marching on a slippery ass floor. And it's like, bro, I've already fucked up my knee in a hardcore show. I'm not doing it again. I refuse. So that's that's one way that you can see me never mosh at a show. That's for slippery. But if it's carpet, woo, it's over. <laughs> if it's carpet, bro, we're going the fuck in. Like, give me a carpeted show. I'm going to try to mosh harder than everybody there every fucking time. Every time. So, yeah, that's me and moshing. I love it. Oh, my God. I want to get up and mosh right now, even though there's something. <laughs> oh, my God. Ah! No, it's so yeah. I I cannot wait. And I I kind of wish like I have this thing where I kind of wish I could go into everybody's band rehearsal cuz I think like when I was in high school and I was in marching band, my favorite part would be rehearsal. Like I didn't even I mean, of course the concert is amazing, but like I just loved getting there and like knowing what we're going to play and working on different measures and stuff. And just, there's a certain rehearsal energy that I just, I've always kind of cut close. So I kind of want to like get an insight to everybody's rehearsal. So how would you, 
how does the most recent rehearsal and the first move rehearsal compare and contrast? Honestly, they don't really like contrast too much. Uh, we've always been really efficient with our rehearsals. Like everyone is working jobs. Everyone has not like the most amount of time and everyone has also been in a band before. I'm like the first person, in, I'm the only person in the move who's not played music before. Like this is my first band. Everyone else has been in a long list of bands. So they all know what to do. And everyone kind of comes in on that same type of like, hey, we're here to practice and we're here to get our shit done and we're here to get out. So it's like, it's still, it's high energy, it's efficient energy and it's good energy, which is awesome. So and it's been like that since day one. Like we, even the first time we practice, we always have time for conversation and like catch up and do shit like that. But we're really just like, we go in and like within 15 minutes of us getting there, like, we are starting to practice and like then we may stay like a little bit after and like chop it up and shit but it's just like we come in we practice and we get out and uh even when like when we're writing um shout out to nick hatchoff hackoff i bro i can't even pronounce my class name i'm sorry nick i'll figure it out one day um but He's the one who writes a lot of the, he writes all the music for Move. So he's like the primary writer. So all the way our writing will go is Nick will like, cause he's a drummer by trade and he plays guitar and Move, but he shreds on guitar and he's sick at drumming. So he'll just demo out a whole entire fucking song in his brain and then send it to us. Like a whole demoed out song with a little bit of drums and everything in there. So we get the full picture of what he's trying to do. And then we pretty much just feedback critiques are like, yo, you know, if it's funk or if it's bunk and then like, okay, here's a critique on how this could be cooler or something like that. And so even when we're like in the midst of writing, we're not, we're not like spending a lot of time writing and stuff. Like we're kind of there to like, we practice the set list, we practice what we're going to do live and we get out. And like, that's what we did with the, when we are playing just a three piece of myself, Devon and Nick, when we first started out all the way back in 2019, when we're writing the demo, we'd kind of show up, be like, damn, well, I'd always be like, damn, I'm in a band now. This is crazy. <laughs> and then we'd relate, rehearse the material that we wanted to do that we'd get out of there. So it's always been like a very efficient practice since the inception of the band, which I think is to our like advantage uh, and which I think also everyone likes because everyone wants to do, like everyone wants to play well and not everyone wants to like bullshit around and everyone's older too in the band. Like nobody's a kid anymore. Like we're all adults. We all have shit going on. So, and it's like, we're still having fun. Like it's still laughter and jokes and like, you know, clowning around and shit. But it's not like we're on like some super hijinks shit and we kind of like really just make sure we do what we need to do and then we can get out. So sort of what it is at rehearsal. It's still a good time. I like it. I just talk mad shit on the microphone. No one should ever give me a microphone. And uh, definitely the bandmates know that more than fucking anyone because I just be saying wild shit sometimes. So yeah, it's bad and funny. They'd be cracking up. No. <laughs> like, bro, shut that's up. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it literally it's the best part. Like every move performance video, I'm like, okay, what is he gonna say this time? Like it's just like, oh my god, I'm excited. Were you like completely petrified your first rehearsal? Uh, first time leading. Yeah, no, um, yeah, yeah, I was never really scared to like I've always been a pretty good public speaker. 
it side in from like the work I did when I was like 13, I was teaching people how to do snowboarding. So I was always already speaking in front of groups, being a snowboard instructor and shit. And so like, I'd speak from little, like little young bulls that were younger than me. And then I'd also teach like people who were like 20, 30, 40 years old. So I always was able to like learn how to speak to a group of people and doing that work definitely helped that out a lot. Um, and I'm definitely slightly outgoing and like don't mind and don't really get intimidated by crowds. So, and then plus, like I said, this is my first band, but I've done a lot of guest spots before and just said a lot of shit and been on stage many of times for better or for worse. Um, so I just wasn't like that sort of like blown away by it. It felt pretty natural, which was cool. Um, and I also like, I, at this point in my like political development, I feel as if I can say something in which I'm like, all right, I'll listen to this a year from now. And like, yeah, my politic may have evolved or furthered the concept, but I feel as if what I'll say in the time is still something I like really back and something that I actually like won't overthink. The only time I kind of overthink things is like mispronouncing things or kind of like wordsmithing things differently. Um, but it felt pretty comfortable like even our first show would shout out to fiddlehead akulu blair um and fucking uh who else played that show it was actually i think that was it boo blair akulu fiddlehead maybe i'm missing one no i think it was just a four band show but shout out to like pat and fucking fiddlehead for actually putting us on that because you know our first show we played in front of like looked like 200 plus people which was kind of crazy but as soon as I got on the stage and like looked out, I was like, cool, this is sick. Like, I'm glad that y'all showed up and like, here's a fucking show for you that you're going to remember. So, yeah. It's really satisfying to hear that hardcore has been such a home for you. It's been such a sense of support system, even if you are creating that support system within yourself through that medium. Have you always felt this emotionally free? Have you had to work to get to this point? Oh, of course. Like this is, yeah, I've 100% had to work to get to this point. Like I was like a fucking emotional infant going through like, you know, high school and shit and like did some emotional development then, but then through like college was really like really big on the individual personal development. Um, it wasn't even through like the means of schools really outside of that um, in the community that I had in the space so, like the community that I had in hardcore shout out to the fucking brown table forever those are my fucking niggas that's my family right there um, they helped me out a tremendous amount um, going to therapy helped out too like that's been a big thing shout out to like all my peoples in Boston and like all my friends afar shout out to like my friend Chanel and some of like my favorite people in my life and even like my fucking parents where like I was really able to find like being able as I was learning more about myself and how really working through like different issues that I had growing up and to the place where I'm at now like it was something in which a community that was very like kind to me and a community that like allowed me to learn um which is something that you don't get often um and so it was definitely like it took time to get to this emotional 
state and like where I'm able to process these things and analyze things and also like political education and reading and like a lot of podcasts shout out to inner ho inner ho uprising um because honestly that podcast like listening to that a lot throughout like the 2018 to like 2020s kind of helped out a shit ton with a lot of things um which is kind of funny to think like a podcast helped me out emotionally but it really did um and like just a lot of like black femmes in my life too that really were down to like hold space and help me out as well so like all these different people and actions and community like allowed me to become this emotionally expressive and feel this free and feel like you know like I have my people I have my tribe and like through that you know you'll always have home and so with always having a home and having a place like you feel very free to go about and explore and do different things, but you know, you're always going to come back home because those people, no matter how I am emotionally are always going to like be cool with me. They're going to hold me accountable, which I love the most. They're going to hold me accountable, but then they're also like, as long as I'm actually shaping behavior and growing and expressing myself, they're cool to like still rock with it, which is a beautiful thing. So shout out to like, Everyone, everyone. Everybody, thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Everyone who I didn't name off individually, but like, yeah, straight up. Podcasts will change your life. I swear. (laughs) Your entire life. And it's like, I mean, the the thought of it, like saying it out loud, like listening to a conversation for an hour, an hour and a half, seems very simple, but oh my God, I've had so many during podcasts straight up especially when like I don't know you find the right one and people that are I I feel I mean for me I always make sure that like you know do the people's politic align with what I care about and not even as an echo chamber but like essentially like okay are their politics and their ideas going to help me like further develop like mine and my own and listening to people who are able to just like convey things so eloquently and so beautifully is like gets me every time you're just like damn like there's definitely fucking like songs that i've written after listening to a podcast i'm like (laughs) oh my god like i need to like this is how i need to fucking make this song work out and like this is what it's gonna be about because they just like expounded on this topic that i was focused on or fixated on and just like boom resonated and connected and for me personally i'm more of an audio visual learner than i am like a reader so that's another big thing as well in which like those podcasts really helped me like, you know, sit in my brain pretty well. Yes. And then it's so lovely to hear that you're in therapy as well. I had this epiphany the other day. I was like, oh my God, I have- I'm actively the best. in therapy right now. I need to get back into it. So if anyone knows any black therapists in Boston, hit me up. I'm in on the look for like a fucking year now. It's hard out here for some reason. Everyone's booked up. So like, I need one, somebody send me a therapist in Boston in person, preferably takes my insurance, hit me up. If you want to know insurance, I'm not going to put my own shit on blast like that. So let me know. I've been searching. It's not that easy. So. Oh my God. We're going to do a whole like Boston inquiry of like different black therapists. In the- I know. Right. God, somebody. I've been trying. I'll, it's, so I like, I like, I found some and then I'll like hit them up and be like, do you have any openings? And it's just like crickets, crickets, crickets out. So, but yeah. So I'm not actively in therapy right now. Um, I have had sense of therapy and stuff. Um, 
but I do wish I was actively in therapy right now. I would love that. So working on it. I completely, completely understand. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do some research. I'm gonna send you some links because <laughs> other people it, like my dad and my my friend like they've been trying to look up some therapists. So I've been like doing like a new little computer, like, you know, looking up different information for them and just trying to like, cause it's different with everybody's insurance and it's a whole situation. And I feel like it should be simpler, especially for us. Cause I know we don't we always do. have the access. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely should be. But I mean, you know, that's a for-profit healthcare system, which is going to try to extrapolate wealth from you at every turn and every corner in which it needs this different segmentation and like regional monopolization over various things to be able to, you know, increase their profits. And then in case we don't get the care that we actually need, that will truly benefit us. So it's sort of like, you know, that's America. That's the whole name of the game here, unfortunately. I'm sure so many people are going to, this. okay, this is going to be like a whole project. We're going to figure this out. <laughs> uh, like, Please, not everyone help me. <laughs> everybody, yeah. It's, it's gonna, not like a call for, I mean, it was kind of a call for help, but like, only if you know like one particular therapist, like, no, I've, I've checked on like, you know, Psych. like I've checked on all these different directories of like Black therapist and all this stuff but if you know like a particular therapist that is like they have openings right now and they take i'll let you know what my insurance is at the time uh like send them my way sending me like different resources and people to like find and comb through and stuff been doing that trust so but uh if you know like a particular one that has openings right now or if you are a therapist and you have openings right now uh preferably in person hit your boy up i got insurance and it's good so like I got you well this just leads us perfectly into this into this next question like okay Corey I had this epiphany the other day I was like wow I have the most incredible therapist in the entire world I have a therapy session tomorrow I'm so excited but like it took so many years and so many internal frustration to get to that point because I have had white therapists before okay I live in Arkansas, so the therapists that I've had in the past are usually the school's therapists, like the therapist that the school assigns, and it's usually always a white woman, and even as a teenager, I I had a lot of anger, but I would get really frustrated with each and every single white therapist I had, and I don't know if it's because school focuses so much on behavior, but it just seems like everybody in the psychiatric universe at that time, if you weren't cooperating or if it wasn't working, they kind of made it feel like it was you. Like, you don't want to get better. You don't want to cooperate. You're misbehaving. You're not listening. You're not following like what we're telling you to do. And so, and I don't even know if they knew how to articulate at the time, but it just, I knew it wasn't working because I needed a black therapist. Like I needed somebody who really, understands and gets it I mean and not even just on negative topics like the other day I told or last week I told my therapist like I'm so excited because I 
braided my mom's hair for the first time. Like I did. Hey, that's beautiful. That is so cute. That's incredible. How was that experience? Oh my, well, it was like a whole thing because she had been asking me to braid it since literally forever. It, would just, never, it just never happened. But the, but last weekend she was like, braid my hair. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and we were watching like, it, like Harry Potter and stuff. It was like a whole thing, but I didn't even have to explain to my therapist, like why, or I didn't have to spend that much time in the session explaining like, cause they knew so healing and groundbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, I feel like people forget like blackness obviously is not a monolith, but to activist blackness is not its own lane in the society and this culture of America or the world in general is just, you would be lying to yourself. Like we have certain cultural cornerstones that happen. Like there are certain things that we experience and go through and that like, if you are not black, you will never understand. Like you can read about it and yes, you can like understand it. But like, that's the difference is like, understanding how beautiful that is to hear about you braiding your mom's hair for like the first time and like just understanding like in the household what that means and like I just think that's so cool and like yeah you can like tell a white person maybe if they heard somebody else like talk about it before they're gonna be like oh that's cool or whatever and like but it's just if you don't have somebody that has that like racial politic and racial analysis or economic analysis like how can they really help you out when this is all playing into our daily lives every day like we're all going through this collective trauma together whether it's like you're some nigga who's like i don't give a fuck about anything or whether you're somebody who's like in the trenches every fucking day like it doesn't matter it is still impacting you in a way and like whether you repress it or express it it's happening so that is why I think it's like so vital, especially for like black therapists. It's not to burden them and feel as if like this is the only way out, but you absolutely get like a certain level of care. And especially like, and let's let's also admit too, like there's some black therapists that don't like that don't do a good fucking job. Like it's not to say that like if you're we're not we're not being identity reductionist here in which, oh, you're black and you're a therapist, you're doing great. Like, no, you could fucking suck. But if you actually have like these analyses and you also understand how they play into our day-to-day lives and like you're willing to actually like think about how they also interact with this individual then ultimately you're going to provide such a better care especially if that individual is also conscious of these things too if they're also being like yeah bro this shit's fucked me up like hearing about buffalo fucked me up like hearing about fucking anything anywhere in philadelphia to like any black body that is continuing to be like destroyed by the state or even thinking about like what the fuck is happening globally like even in nigeria and the massacre that happened over there like to think about and like not if you have somebody coming to you like talking about these things and you're just like oh yeah like turn the tv off like how are you not paying attention to that it's like all right, clearly that person's going to be ass. But if they also like understand and can help process this together and get you through, like that's huge. And that's beautiful that you have that. That's very cool that you're able to just be like, yo, I bury my mom's hair. They're just like, yo, I get this. I understand how cool this is or whatever. And like, so that's beautiful that you have that. And I think that's like, it is very important to like find like black therapists to find like people that or just at least like 
if you can't find a black therapist, but at least find a fucking like a white therapist that has that politic and is like actually has that shit. It still won't be the same, but like it'll be similar, I guess. It'll be kind of something like I the last therapist I had before uh quarantine and lockdown and uh, a few like job changes essentially that was what kind of ruined it had job changes so insurance wasn't covered um it was like the first time we rolled up i just felt like we're just sitting in her living room literally sitting in her living room and just like having a talk like i was talking to like either like my aunt or like a big sister or just like a big homie that is just like you know those big homies that have wisdom and it just felt so comforting and so like just an environment of healing an environment of uh like will allowing you to be your full self and so it's like that matters like that definitely matters and only like sometimes it will only be black people that can really like deliver that for you and do that for you so big up to any black therapists out there especially the ones that have a politic um anyone that have any liberatory politic care about you know liberation of all black people at all margins like y'all are the fucking real ones and if y'all have any openings let me know let me know (laughs) i'm wondering in your search for a therapist and for help or even just in general do you ever feel powerless at times i mean yeah you're just like bro this is annoying like i've applied to like five different people i've applied to 10 different people and like nothing's coming back so you definitely get to like to a point too or sometimes you just get tired of searching like it's not like I search every single day in my life um but also I'm like damn there's definitely like some things I think about that I really wish I had like a therapist to process with this or like to help me process this or this emotion or this situation or better understand because like yeah I feel like I can process some things and like I'm not you know I don't feel as if I'm like spiring out of control or something like that but it's like when you're only processing things on your own like it's all your own thoughts and like who knows if that's for I don't know for better for worse so just to be able to have that person will be really like really awesome and I know I'll find it eventually I think that's another thing too I'm just like all right let me just like stay positive like in a sense let me just like continue on and I'll find my therapist when I do and it's going to be great it's going to take a little bit of time, but it'll happen nonetheless at some point. Is it difficult emotionally holding up in the meantime? Um, I wouldn't say it's difficult. It's just more so I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, this, this situation would be a lot cooler if I like had a therapist. And also like, I have friends I can talk to about things. It's not like I don't have people I can't express things to. So that helps out a lot too. But also I'm not trying to have anyone do like unpaid therapy for me and like not get paid for their emotional labor. So that's where it's like, you know, I try to have like a good balance between like, I'm not going to emotional dump on you and have you be my therapist or like asking for consent first and be like, Hey, are you in a place where I can just talk to you about like some shit that's going on? If they're like, yeah, bet. Then it's like, cool. We're both mutually consenting to this. Um, And then also, like obviously being there to talk to my homies as well but it also like like I said my life isn't like going out of control out of spiraling there's definitely some things that like I definitely want to talk to somebody about and shit like that but uh fortunately right now nothing is that like I'm not in a crisis or something of that nature so I'm still able to kind of like I'm keeping on doing fine everything's chill I have some like healthy coping mechanisms set up which are great and like a good routine and stuff um but it's just also at the same time like 
cool i still want to find a therapist like tomorrow preferably so i completely completely understand yeah. and i think like it is, it is so difficult and so frustrating. I mean, because I definitely, I've had therapy sporadically through life, but I, def- I definitely needed therapy like maybe five years or so before I actually found one. So it's like, it's such a, it's such a crazy process. And I really wish it was simpler. And I wish we had more access to these types of things. And I, I just think overall it helps me develop more of a vocabulary around it because I think that even if I'm trying to well I don't know I kind of I have two older sisters but they're like there's like a 17 year old difference 17 year difference so I kind of grew up alone so I'm used to not talking to anybody about my emotions and just kind of holding everything in and if I do have the opportunity to talk to somebody about it, I don't want to overwhelm them or like asking for consent has been really helpful. Just like, hey, can I like talk about this? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really freeing to have that resource, but I totally get, um, not saying this is how you feel. It, it's just like, I've just always kind of felt like I'm bothering people if I am honest about. Yeah, not wanting to be a burden to other people. Like, yeah, I definitely get that feeling. That is like something that I think about too. And like, I think why I try to have this like independence with it is like, I don't want to be the burden to everyone because everyone's going through it. Every nigga's going through it, like straight up. So that is why I definitely try to have some sort of like, all right, like, let me not, uh, let me try to do a lot of this work like on my own if I can. Um, or if not, like compartmentalize it until that time where I do get to speak about it and not like repress it in a way that is like toxic and that is like eating away at me and like creating some dark energy or some shit, but really just like actually be like, all right, I'm going to have the moment to be able to process this when I like have the time to process this. Um, and in the meantime, I'm still alive, kick it and like, it's not really impacting me too heavily. So yeah, I feel that a lot and not wanting to be like a burden to others, um, especially when just like, you know, people grow up in different situations. And so it's like sometimes you uh, I think that like can come from your environment occasionally and like not wanting to be a burden and wanting to be more independent type shit. So, yeah, I definitely feel that. This whole conversation i'm gonna replay it a million times after it's over and it's just gonna be one of my favorites i love this so much we have unfortunately reached the final question of this interview and i'm holding i'm holding back but i'm incredibly sad i don't know where the time is gone it was a beautiful conversation. I don't know either. I'm like, damn, like it's 8.15 already. That's crazy. Like, yeah. it was like a really nice talk. I love the questions. I love the energy. It was very nice. So thank you for having me. And even though it's not the last question yet, but definitely like keep on doing these interviews. And I feel like the fact that you ex- explicitly go out to interview other Black people within hardcore and these alternative spaces, I think is something that needs to continue to happen more because these are the things I was kind of referring to in the beginning where we are like, we're building our own little community here every single day. Like whether it's, um, you know, what is it? Uh, fuck. Uh, wow. Oh, God. I'm going to look it up the podcast I'm trying to think of. 
up the Bronx, up the Bronx. That's yes. like whether it's up the Bronx and a from fucking like end it and all that shit, or just like other niggas that are down to interview people, cult nation, like all these different little resources that put niggas on and like want to focus on black people. Um, I think it's like key because the more we do that and the more we have other like ourselves to express our stories in a more like in our full breath and like have these beautiful conversations that like we probably wouldn't have with other individuals is like super important. So I really thank you for doing this and like doing this podcast and taking on because it's also not easy to do. So yeah, thank you for doing the work that you're doing before we go into this last question. Oh my God, thank you so much, Corey. This is a question I think we're probably gonna try to ask everybody that we interview on this podcast that's on the Act Like You Know lineup. Oh, gang shit. If you could write a love letter to hardcore, a thank you letter to hardcore, what would you say? I honestly, my love letter would be definitely a dear to certain people a dear to the brown table a dear to chanel um a dear to my band a dear to fucking every band that i've ever moshed to ever and wrote songs that were sick and i think my love letter would be really giving me a community which i was able to like find some pieces of myself that I wasn't able to find elsewhere and really be able to like develop me as a person. Um, I won't say hardcore like saved my life in any which ways, but I definitely would. I always think about how I'd be without hardcore and I feel like I'd be such a piece of shit. Like I would just be some sort of like bro, mad cringy, like definitely on some big light skin vibes like fucking just doing wild shit all the time being wild like harmful to community on this shit and i i think it was like hardcore that really helped out with getting me off that track like because also i think about how hardcore got me into like a space like fucking tumblr and like for me early on and like when I was younger in like college and stuff, when Tumblr, like before Tumblr deleted the porn and everyone left it, <laughs> but, but uh, before then, like that was such a learning space for me and like about feminism and about like not being a misogynist and like learning how to like admit that like, hey, these are identities I have that are like identities of privilege and learning how every day like continuing learning how to not allow them to be like uh pretty much actively learning how they play into the world and learning different ways so in which you're not playing them into immediate harm and using them to be harmless and like that continued learning um and if it wasn't for like hardcore I don't know if I would find that space and so I really like or I wouldn't have found the brown table, which played so heavily on me finding my identity and like understanding who I am as like a black person and also community or like finding Chanel who like helped me out a ton and just like holding me down growing up. And then also helping me like explore the world. Like I, through hardcore, I've been able to see so much of the planet and being able to see so much of like different people and different things here there and everywhere so it's definitely allowed me like this entire avenue of life that I can't even conceive where I'd be at without it 
which is like really weird to think about that like this whole genre of music has had like a really heavy impact on me um and it definitely is something that i definitely appreciate and that's why i think also i'm like so i want to continue evolving it in the space so that more and more people can like experience these things or they don't have to deal with some of the bullshit that like i had to deal with you know and like continuing on and like moving beyond that and because that's why like every day i'm like yo like niggas belong here like niggas have always belonged here but like we're fucking here now and like we're here we're going to continue to be here and putting out a beacon which is like yo you're black like cool this is our space here's our community like find your peoples and like we can continue to do and create spaces in which like we're experiencing this music and we're also experiencing our whole identity at the same time and both are living and coexisting as they should be always and like being expressed at such high intensity so i think that is just something that like i want to continue building and continue doing and it's because of that love for hardcore is why I want to do it. It's not like it's I love hardcore. I love black people. So like, cool, continue to make this space better for black people. Like that's where it comes down to. Um, and so, yeah, I owe a lot to this like little shitty fucking music. God damn. It's so weird. Um, and it's something that I don't even know, like one of these days, if I ever choose to drop out <laughs> ever choose to stop moshing not doing anything i'm just like you know what this was like a very huge part of my life i've been it's been 10 plus years now so like you know it's almost it's almost to the point where it's been half of my fucking life and i'm still doing it and still pretty like not jaded like pretty still hyped on doing stuff and whether it's like trying to book shows with my friends, trying to do shit with my band, just trying to like catch a fucking stage dive at a fun venue somewhere, seeing a new band, listening to new music. Like it's crazy. It's a really crazy thing. There's definitely critiques that I have for it that I've expressed for it that I'll continue to fight against and change. But also at the same time, it's something that I really do like, I have a love for it. I, and that's why I'm still fucking here. And I'm just like, damn, there's, I don't think there's been many things I've been as committed to other than like within the punk and hardcore sphere in my life. So yeah, that would kind of be my long-winded sort of love letters to the people and to the, uh, the amount of experiment experiences I've been able to have, the amount of growth that has come from it and the fun, definitely the fun definitely the fun and the fucking mosh that would be the ender of that like addressing the mosh because that's been something in which uh i don't know where i'd be if i didn't experience the mosh it's a crazy thing i don't know it would be very weird it'd be a very hollow existence i'd be like damn why do i want to flail my arms and kick at random things all the time what is this feeling that i have but you know what the mosh found me i didn't find the mosh the mosh found me that's what happened. So yeah. <laughs> now you have to now you have to write a song saying the wash found me. Song title. Oh my god. Because isn't Move working on an album right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we actually have our first LP 
um, I'm the one holding up everything. So I got one more song left to record and tracking will be done with the LP. Uh, we're dropping it on Triple B next year. We've been recording at Tower Farm Studios in Billerica, Mass with Charlie A. Bend. Um, shout out to Charlie. He's been doing a lot of work for it and making it sound sick. So we're pretty excited for it. I'm pretty hyped on it. I'm also like pretty nervous, especially like, you know, these are my words. They're going to live in the ethos for as long as the digital age continues. So forever. Uh, but I'm really excited to be putting out new songs. And we'll be playing two new songs at Break Free Fest that we're playing because this is June 6th that we're recording this. We're playing Break Free on June 19th. And so we'll be playing two new tracks that are coming off that record. Um, it'll be a full 12 inch, a full release on Triple B. So we're pretty we're pretty excited for it. We actually have like nine new songs that we recorded and we only did three demo songs. So I'm uh, bringing back some oldies with a little new flavor and uh, really exploring our sound. Uh, I wouldn't really say we're exploring it, but we're just like, bro, we're having fun. We're down to like, we still got some heavy ass songs. Uh, we still got a lot of heavy ass topics and but we definitely have some fun ones in there too that people are going to want to groove to so it's it's going to be cool i'm excited to be able to put this shit out so i just i'm counting down the days i swear when i saw the lineup for the first time my eyes went straight to move i'm not like <laughs> i wish i was it, like, I, I was like i hope move is, i just i don't know i feel like i'm psychic it went straight to move and i was like yeah, we're really excited to be playing Tulsa. Like Aaron hit us up long ago to make sure and like try to get us on here, try to get us on it last year too. And uh, we're really pumped to be playing it. Honestly, the lineup's cool with fucking what? Like Tsunami, Gridiron, Scowl, End, end Game, fucking like even Pummel from fucking Massachusetts. Like it's going to be fucking cool to play that festival and to play it in Tulsa, which I mean for black people is like, hollowed ground for us um i know people always think of it as like oh you know this is what black capitalism could have done for us and they're afraid of it but honestly i think of it as like yo those people resisted those people resisted against whiteness and like white violence to prevent somebody from being lynched and to like protect their own community and that that working class black people fucking taking up arms and resisting like that is why it is such hollowed territory for me and i think it should be celebrated in that sense not because because it really wasn't the economic booming thing that we always give it the preconception as it was working class fucking black people and like we need to really like hold that and celebrate that resistance over celebrating the capitalism because it wasn't the capitalism that was going to make those niggas free. Them niggas were freeing them fucking selves without any type of money involved. So that is like why I'm really, really excited to be like playing that space. And the fact that it's a festival that's like, you know, things are getting donated to the Oklahoma's for Equity Fund, which is really beautiful too. Um, so we're really excited for it. And the lineup is honestly sick. Like of all the fests that have been dropping, you know, like, I feel like there's a lot of new shit on this lineup, which is cool. Um, and I really, really appreciate Aaron for getting these different bands that may not have been asked to play all these other festivals to be able to come out and play these, or they may not have had time to, whatever it may is, um, to like give them a shot and have them all play like a part of the Midwest that I don't, I don't know if Move would ever play a show in Tulsa, Oklahoma, like if it wasn't for this fest. So uh, really, really pumped on that. And uh, it's going to be exciting. So yeah. 
Corey, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Time's too precious. Thank you so much for hosting this space. I'm giving you a virtual hug. Yay! Sunflowers unite. Sunflowers unite. Act Like You Know is formally known as Promcore, and Promcore 2021 was the first hardcore music event I've ever attended and photographed. I've yet to come down from the high, and I can't wait to go back in November. Weekend passes and after-show tickets are available at actlikeyouknowfest.com. Proceeds from the Act Like You Know after-shows will benefit the Terry Williams Memorial College Fund. If you have bought or plan to buy a weekend pass, the fest is currently running a contest to give away some complimentary hotel stays for the fest. The rules are simple. Post the flyer to Twitter or Instagram and tag the fest. The winners will be randomly selected and receive hotel for three nights. You must tag the fest to be eligible. The contest will run until August 1st. Thank you all so much again for tuning into the How Are You Really Feeling podcast. To keep the conversation going, you're welcome to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, all with the username, How Are You Really Feeling Podcast.